There are copies of God's Word under your seats. And if you're visiting with us, uh, that's our gift to you. We really think it's more than a book that God speaks. Sometimes people say, you know what, I I just don't hear God speaking to me. If your Bible is closed, you don't get to say that because as you open it, God speaks. Uh, Well, thank you for joining us today. I'm Pastor Steve. I'm the lead pastor here at New Stanton Church, and we are in week three of a series, No Fear. And if you missed any of the other messages, you can always get to the link of those off our website. Um, Just a heads up, Tyler, the worship leader, is going to be preaching next week, and he's going to wrapping up, be wrapping up this series. God has laid a word on his heart that kind of fits perfectly within this series. So uh, invite somebody to the church for Tyler's first sermon at New Stanton Church. I'm sure it won't be his last. Uh, I hope you are ready to hear from God this morning. Uh, the foundation for this entire series has been Philippians chapter 4. And I want to tell you why Paul told the Philippians why he was so excited to go to Rome. And the reason Paul was so excited to go to Rome is it was a strategic location. Like all roads really did lead to Rome. So the most strategic spot for Paul to share the gospel and impact the world was the city of Rome. So he had this burning desire from the Spirit to go there and proclaim the gospel. And as we mentioned the last couple of weeks, Paul did not get to Rome as a free man. He didn't get there as a preacher. He got there as a prisoner. And I don't think anyone would have been surprised. And no one in Philippi who opened this letter or heard it would have been surprised if Paul expressed disappointment, discouragement. I don't think they would have blamed him for being frustrated, for being confined, literally chained to a Roman soldier when he had in mind being free to preach as the Spirit led. I don't know what the people of Philippi expected to hear, I think they might have expected Paul to want uh, a list of items, maybe maybe bail money. <laughs> I think maybe as they opened that letter, they, they expected to hear the frustration of being a prisoner instead of a preacher. I think maybe they expected him to encourage them to uprise against the government for all this injustice. But I don't think they expected to hear this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, like reach out to him by prayer and petition with thanksgiving Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul said the peace of God. In the midst of that situation, the peace of God will guard your hearts 
and your mind. Say that phrase with me this morning. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. Rejoicing and resting in that peace is a choice. And I know some of you may be facing a choice this morning, a decision that's kind of stressing you out. You're facing something that seems like it makes that peace impossible. And the weight of that decision may be robbing you of it, of your rejoicing. Your mind feels overwhelmed and you're anxious because change can be hard. No one likes making a decision and then regretting it later. Uh, If you tend to be a little bit more on the analytical side, you can often face something that is called analysis paralysis. Have you ever heard of that? You know, you overthink something and overthink of something and make yourself sick and then you can't make a decision because you keep analyzing and you just can't. Having a choice to make when you're stressed can rob you of that joy and that peace. Has anybody else been so stressed that even the simplest decisions seem impossible? Uh, your husband says, where do you want to go to eat? I don't know. How about here? No, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) I'm sure you've had that maybe on a regular conversation, even if you aren't stressed out. But even the simplest things seem overwhelming. The most important choice we may make in those moments when we're stressed out and needing to make a decision is the choice to rejoice and rest in God's peace. And I want to look at the word this morning and try to give you what God says is kind of a simple plan for walking in faith and making those decisions. But let's let's pray first and ask God to direct us. Father, I want to pray that for those of us here who are facing decisions, for anyone who is suffering under the weight of choosing, that we would hear from you today and as we make our request known, would you open up heaven and give us your peace in our hearts and in our minds that extends our ability to understand. Direct our steps, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Making some of those choices often feels so complicated because there are so many variables. Uh, that, that decision will affect people. We don't know if that decision is in line with God's will or not. We're not sure if that decision will, be, ha- will have enough finances to make it even possible. The list is endless. Should, should I stay with my job or should I switch jobs? Should I go to college or should I stay at home? Should I make that investment? Me, the redneck preacher, is over here saying, should I go with the Glock or the Sig? You know, I just, you know, it's my personal world. Um, If you're in high school, you have some big decisions to make. Which college should you go to? Which major should you choose? Should, Should you go in the military first? Should you work for a little bit before you go to college? Should you pursue a trade? Should you move out or live with your mom and dad? And then, for those of you who are single, facing the decisions of this world, holy cow, should I ask that person out? Should I use a dating website? Will this person bring me closer to Jesus? Or do I think they're just, or he's just, or she's just hot? 
Should I stay with the person I'm with or should I break it off? Does God have somebody better for me? Decisions often feel complicated and they can leave us feeling like we don't know what to do. And I think many people have trouble making a choice because we don't want to make the wrong one. It's interesting, as I did some Google searches this week, I found out some interesting statistics. One said that as adults, we make some 35,000 choices a day. That's incredible to me. But I also found some articles that said this generation is the most stressed out generation that the world has ever known. And I'm kind of a history buff. And as I look at history, I think, how in the world is this possible? (laughs) Like, there are people throughout the centuries who have lived through, like, wars. And in recent times, World War I, World War II. There are the Great Depression. And I'm thinking, how in the world can this generation be the most stressed out generation that there has ever been? They're calling it the age of anxiety. There are two reasons this article I found lifted up why this generation is so stressed out. It was actually a Harvard, Harvard Business Review. And the first one, the reason they said that we're, this generation is so stressed out is because we have too many choices. They said that this applies to everything from job opportunities to ice cream. In fact, you can't go to the grocery store and pick a tube of toothpaste off the shelf without looking at 20 different varieties. They said that consumers actually stress out over the number of decisions they have to make. We have too many choices. And they actually, they quoted a study um, of all things about buying jelly. (laughs) And they gave shoppers a $1 off coupon on a jar of jelly and then gave them a display case of 24 different kinds of jelly. But when the time came to make a purchase, people who saw that large display were one-tenth as likely to actually buy something as someone who saw a display case with six choices. And they called it the choice paralysis. Options are good, too few were detrimental, but too many led to negative effects as far as purchasing something. People had choice paralysis. You have so many decisions to make, and oftentimes those big ones have so many variables that we stress out in them. Oftentimes, if you can eliminate the extremes or ones that are just off the table, it will help you make a decision. We live in that age of unlimited choices, and this study indicates that too many causes stress and anxiety. So that's number one. Number two, too many choices led to the fear of making a mistake. So the study noted that actually buyer satisfaction went down significantly as the choices went up. So the more options you have, the more fear that there was that you would make 
the wrong choice. In fact, you, you didn't have peace in the jelly you chose <laughs> because there were so many other variables. But if there was just six choices, you had more peace and more joy in your jelly <laughs> because it was the right decision and you knew it because you didn't like grape, you don't like strawberry, you don't like cherry, you, you just knew. Fewer choices help people feel like they made the right one. As believers, we want to make decisions that are in line with the will of God. But sometimes the number of apparent choices complicates that discernment process. We don't want to be disappointed, and we certainly don't want to disappoint God or make the wrong decision that is out of his will. What I want to do this morning is kind of swim through all that complication and let God's word uncomplicate this. And I'm going to cover one chapter from the word of God and let God speak his heart into this so that we can have peace and rejoice. So let me set the stage. There were some Gentiles or non-Jews who were believers and they were in Antioch and they were told by some Jewish teachers that they needed to obey the entire Jewish law and all the males needed to be circumcised if they were going to be saved. Now, just so you know, that is a lot of rules to follow. If you're going to follow the entire Jewish law, and for a Gentile, that's overwhelming. Well, it caused a ton of anxiety in the Gentile believers, I'm going to guess especially for the men, uh, because can you imagine if a surgical procedure was required for accepting Jesus at New Stanton Church? Uh, hello, we see you made a first-time commitment to follow Jesus. We're calling to schedule your surgery. Uh, whoa, 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 wait, <laughs> no. <laughs> they appointed Paul and Barnabas to go back to get an official answer to this complicated and potentially bodily altering question. I think it's funny because we, we tend to still wrestle with how much of the Old Testament we need to follow. Is it okay to get a tattoo? According to the Old Testament, no, it is not. It states it very clearly. Can you wear a garment of polyester and cotton blend? According to the Old Testament, the answer is no, you cannot. But somehow those don't seem as spiritually relevant as do not murder, right? How do you decide? Anyway, Paul and Barnabas report back to Jerusalem, and they tell all the believers in Jerusalem what God has been doing in the lives of the Gentiles. And James speaks up. This is Acts 15. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon, or Peter, has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles, something they did not see coming. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Jewish. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, says God that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. 
James then says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from, and these are things that would have hindered the Gentiles' witness, living amongst Jews. Abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. So a decision was made. Thank you, Jesus. No surgery is needed. Uh, I'm going to read the rest of this text in the RSV because it does a wonderful job of translating a Greek phrase over and over again in the text. And I want you to pay attention to the words, it seemed good as I read this. Picking up with verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren, with the following letter. The brethren, both the apostles and the elders, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia, greetings. Since we heard that some persons from us have troubled you with words, so some Jews went and troubled those Gentiles, unsettling your minds, they were stressed out, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. We therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same thing by word of mouth. In other words, not just from this letter. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what's been strangled, and from unchastity or sexual impurity. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So what these men in Jerusalem did was search the scriptures, and they found that the Holy Spirit's outpouring on Gentiles was, in fact, a biblical thing. The prophet said it would happen. And then these men in Jerusalem simplified the entire Jewish law for the Gentiles so that they wouldn't offend Jewish believers in their midst. In essence, freeing them from the rest of the law, which, as Paul fleshes out, the law can't save us anyway because your obedience to it doesn't take the place and the need for the blood of Jesus, which makes us acceptable to God. But I want you to notice the criteria that they used in making their decision. Because the Old Testament doesn't say specifically which laws Gentiles would have to obey and which laws Gentiles could be freed from. The leaders in Jerusalem said over and over again, it seemed good. 
And then they gave the Gentiles their decision. In other words, it seems good means, you know what, it seems logical. From what we know of God in this book, this seems to make sense. Now, I would love to like wrap this message up right here and tell you to just go and do what seems good to you. You know, you just go and, and do you and everything will be great. You just, you just ask God and you just do what seems good to you. But I can't because Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. So those things that naturally seem right to us without a relationship with Jesus lead to death. There's a reason why these two phrases both can't be true. If we're around the wrong people, listening to the wrong voices, living the wrong values, what seems right will lead to death. Sin is natural, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. But that's not what's happening in Acts 15. They're not just doing what seems right to them. They search the scriptures together, and they are applying the word of God to a difficult and stressful situation in a way that seems right to the entire group, the entire church, all the leaders. They did not contradict the word of God with their decision. They checked. Here's, here's the takeaway, I think, when we look at Acts 15, as we deal with difficult, complicated situations, here's two truths that I think we can take. Number one, dig into the word of God with a group of believers when you are making difficult decisions. Do not make stressful, potentially life-altering decisions on your own. There's too many choices, too many options, and there is a danger of doing what just seems right to you, which may lead to sin. Now, I know I've been talking a lot in this No Fear series about connect groups, but they are huge. It's like your church. It's like your people. Paul and Barnabas could have made this decision about the Gentiles' behavior on their own. Like, Paul could have said, you know what? I was called by God to be the apostle to the Gentiles. If anybody has any authority to make this decision in this room, like it's me. But he went back and got a decision from the group to make it. So that's the first. Don't make any life-altering decisions without taking it to a group of believers and seeking what seems to be good to the entire group based on the word of God. And second, do what seems right as, that's important, you follow the spirits leading together. Sometimes our minds play tricks on us. And sometimes what we say is God's will for me, what I think I'm hearing from God, you ask another group of believers and they're like, yeah, they no, that's not God at all. Like, we, we need to look at this together because what you're saying isn't something the Holy Spirit would be wanting for you. Like, I think you're, you're telling yourself what you really want to hear. Take advantage of the collective discernment and the biblical knowledge 
of the body of Christ as you follow the leading of the Spirit together. Now, the Bible is not going to speak specifically to every single decision you have to make. So it's good to ask a a broad, not a broad range. It's good to ask people that you know, people that you trust, people that you know understand the scriptures and have a fuller knowledge because God's word applies to every situation. It just doesn't speak to every situation specifically. For, For example, if you go to the word of God and say, I wonder how many hours a day my kids should spend on technology. You're not going to find it in these pages, but you're going you're to have some principles in here about loving one another and what our life should be about and what our focus should be and our time with God and what should be the top priority. And you might see that you know, spending eight hours a day on your phone isn't that. But if you ask your kids what the limit of time should be on technology. What seems right to them will be like 24-7. They won't even sleep for Pete's sakes. It'll be unlimited time. As a church, as we seek to show people Jesus, we're going to grow as a body because we're passionate about seeing other people come into a relationship with him. And we're going to grow, hopefully, we've been casting this vision about worshiping on a weekend of to 651 people. But it's not about the number, right? It's about the one that you're going to reach and show people Jesus. Maybe, maybe instead of inviting them to church, maybe you should invite them to your connect group. Because disciples are made in circles around living rooms much more effectively than they are in rows at church. I love coming and doing church with y'all. I love worshiping on Sunday morning. But like this isn't interactive, right? If you have a question, like you have to find me afterwards in the line of people that are standing, or Pastor Bobby or Pastor Josh or Pastor Chris. Those questions can be asked in circles in people's homes. Everybody needs the support, the wisdom, and collective discernment of the body of Christ. Everybody needs a group of people that has their six. People that will rejoice with you when you're rejoicing, hurt with you when you're hurting, and seek God and the scriptures to follow the Holy Spirit together when you have questions. The goal of 651 is not just to invite 651 people to sit for an hour on Sunday morning. The goal is to invite more people into a relationship with Jesus, into a relationship with Jesus that is, it's not a solo experience. It's the body of Christ doing life together. We have each other's backs. We love one another. We support one another. When somebody's sick, we take meals, and that's what we do. We're all about showing people Jesus, not just so they see him, but so they meet him, to reach people and allow God to transform one person at a time. But knowing that you're following the will of God, knowing that the Spirit is leading you, allows you to have peace that is unshakable and rejoice in all circumstances. And it's why Paul, who was sitting in prison, 
could write these words in Philippians chapter 1. He tells the group in Philippi, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, being here as a, a prisoner, not a preacher, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has been clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This whole church thing and this stressful decision, do I, I want to go as a preacher, but I'm here as a prisoner. So what do I do? What choices do I make? I choose to stay in the will of God, to glorify him and let me use him. And guess what? The news of Jesus is going out, and I'm going to choose to rejoice, and the peace of God is going to flood my soul, and I will have it no matter what the circumstances is. And if you are here this morning, and you are stressing over a choice that you need to make, if you feel like you've been locked down in some prison, and there's too many options, can't choose, you got analysis paralysis, even if the Bible doesn't speak to your thing specifically, there are principles here. And there are people that have walked that road before and through collective discernment and following the Spirit, we can stay in the center of God's will. And we will rejoice and we will praise and we will have peace as we reach one more person and one more person and make disciples of Jesus Christ together. Would you pray with me? So Father, today we cast all our cares upon you. No, no solo Christians, God. We're a part of your family. Surround us with people who love us, who are seeking you, that can help us, God. Live your way. Live your will. Stay in the center of it. And God, some people here just need to sign up for a connect group. Some of us need to choose to rejoice no matter what the circumstance. And God, as we worship, we're going to just respond to your word and worship you and sing your praises and let you fight those battles and win our victories. We pray all this and all God's people say, amen.